again to a novel evening as ever i'm danny um you can find me on instagram as blotted ink books i'm like how many times have i said these words um for anybody who's listening it's like mix it up a bit um and for this episode i'm going to be joined by rebecca hardy whose novel the house of lost wives is the perfect wintry read I mean, we have got ghosts, we've got some paranormal stuff going on, we've got a little slice of the gothic, we've got manners, we've got, you know, wives dead before their time. Um, it's perfect for cuddling up with, you know, some candles lit, getting under a blanket, and just enjoying a real slice of the gothic. Um, I cannot wait to see what she's going to bring with her imagination to this novel evening. Um, and I also can't wait to chat with her all about the book. So, a humongous hello to Rebecca. Hello. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you very much for coming on. And I know it's taken us a little time with dodgy internet and yeah. children and life, but we're here and we've made it. <laughs> we have. We're, we might be sitting in sort of minus five to minus 10 degrees, but we're <laughs> we're talking and that's the main we're thing. We're thriving, aren't we? I mean, what better time than in the middle of a crisis concerning energy costs? for a national freeze that's right I have a I have a boat of tea do you see that uh central perk it is quite literally a boat it's got three tea bags in there so that's going to keep me going tonight that is humongous I've never seen a mug that large it's it's for special occasions only really because it's just too big but it's great for warming your hands honestly it's better than a hot water bottle because you're in the country right so you're really rural so I mean I'm Mm -hmm. on the coast so it is cold but I feel like we have a bit of a microclimate down in Torbay. I, it's been cold, but we haven't really had like snow. Or, but I guess for you guys, it sounds like it's pretty intense. <laughs> it's been between sort of depending on which pocket of the forest you walk through or which part of which village you go through. It's between sort of three and seven inches of snow. So it's yeah. enough to slow things down. It's enough to be beautiful, but annoying. <laughs> uh, sure, that's the thing with snow. And I, I lived in Canada and I was 16. And obviously, we had like deep snow. But nothing yeah. stops that because everybody lives with it, you know, exactly. for basically half the year. Whereas even the smallest bit here, we're like, oh, it's so picturesque and Christmassy, but it needs to go like in an hour. Yeah. We just want to enjoy it, take some pictures, maybe build a snowman and then that's it. <laughs> and then <laughs> it needs else. to leave. We definitely don't need more of it. Once we've had like a day of it and, you know, you've had a snow day, school is shut for a day, exactly. then it needs to end. <laughs> exactly i think it should be a, a national law and then they just just go out with big blow heaters and just get rid of melt it all <laughs> i mean maybe we're gonna get a white christmas i don't want to have jinxed it now haven't i but it's not gonna happen <laughs> you never know we might get a light flurry on christmas day rather than i feel like it's rained on christmas for the last however long yeah i think the last couple of years in fact not last year but the year before i remember being in just a jumper and that was it there was no boots there was no winter jacket no nothing so it's been it's been very bizarre this is uh this is the first time it's actually snowed in December I think since since I was little yeah yeah I can't actually think of the last time we had like a snowy December and I feel like we had a really like quite a nice October it was quite yeah. mild. so it was I did a book signing in October and it was sort of like the last weekend, about the 28th or something like that. And I showed up to the bookshop um, in a little, it's called The Bookshop in East Grinstead, which is very kind of Tudor style um, architecture, really beautiful. And the and the owner, John, he's a lovely guy, knows everybody in, in the town. And he said, so I'm going to put you outside. And I thought, 
are you demented? It's the end of October. And it was so warm that day. It was about 16 degrees. So it was perfect. I had lots of foot traffic. I had sunshine. I got... <laughs> um, people were, you know, enjoying a little bit of a drink and some cupcakes that I'd had made for the occasion. And I sold out within a couple of hours. I sold out before I was supposed to, which was great. And I think the weather had a lot to do with it. Global warming is great, isn't it? <laughs> We're going to cut that bit out. <laughs> it's just wonderful. <laughs> it just feels so extreme at the moment. But obviously, like, book launch will segue neatly. Yeah. House of Lost Wives. Now, what I will say for this weather is I feel like your book is, like, the perfect read to curl up on a sofa under a blanket with some candles lit. If you're lucky enough to own a fireplace that works, yeah. um, light a fire. Because it is, oh, it's just pure, like... It's a little bit creepy. It's atmospheric. There's a bit of a romance. And I mean, it's just, firstly, it's superb. So thank you. Because I love it. But for anyone who's listening who hasn't read the book, who maybe is intrigued, tell us about your novel. Tell us about The House of Lost Wives. So it revolves around, it's sort of, this is, I don't know why I always find it so difficult when people ask me what my book is about. <laughs> <laughs> because you then have to pick and choose what to mention and what not to mention. So it is set in the Regency era in about 1813. Um, that's my Jane Austen love shining through right there and anything to do with historical fiction, really. And it's about a young girl who loses her sister um, who is they're very very close they have this really close relationship and she loses her sister um, who has gone off to marry this wealthy man who's paid her father's debts and she has to go and replace her sister as the future Lady Blountford uh, but when she turns up at this beautiful rambling huge mansion house she finds out that there were actually four previous wives not just her sister but three other wives before her and all of them came to slightly mysterious and unknown ends so it's part mystery it is a little bit paranormal I didn't want to make it all about ghosts I didn't want to make it a pure ghost story um although I love all things ghosty and spooky but I wanted it to kind of have that softer element of paranormal in between solving a mystery with some romance thrown in and uh and hopefully, you know, just provide some entertainment for a few hours. I've had some people say they finished it in a day. And I think, gosh, that took me ages to write. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, it is gripping, though. And I can see why. Because it is, you know, it's a gothic story. And I think we do love that. And as soon as you've got, like, multiple wives who have died, I'm already sold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which probably says a lot about me. But I'm like, oh, I love that idea. And, you know. Especially when you've got a sister who's then having to, you know, wed her, you know, her sister's husband. Uh, yeah. Immediately, you've got a bit of scandal in there. I mean, where did this idea come from? Where did you come up with this? Uh, interestingly, I mean, I've grown up between London and Sussex most of my life. So I lived in London for a long time. I went to school in Sussex and I moved back to London. I worked in Sussex and I've just kind of gone sorry I should have gotten rid of that I'm gonna just turn all that off quickly <laughs> don't worry uh... right uh so uh I yeah so I've lived between London and Sussex for most of my life I went to school in Sussex I lived in London back and forth and I kind of had this concept of what would it be like to do that move in a different era and I've always had this slight obsession with the Regency era because it was 
pre-Victorian, pre-industrial revolution, things were a little bit simpler, um, but also just the role of a woman is very different a couple yeah. of hundred years ago. And um, and that is something that I kind of continue to explore in all of my writing is just how how such different things were expected of us, what our rights were, what they weren't, and how quite a lot of women kind of pushed those boundaries and, and made what they could out of the lives that they were given. And um, I think, funnily enough, the first scene that I wrote in my head was of Lizzie and the stable boy, Geordie, who is a character that he's a side character, but so many people have said to me afterwards, I absolutely love him. He's like the, the cutest little cinnamon roll. <laughs> he's, oh yeah, absolutely. Like he's, I think he's the warmth in this, isn't he? Like fully, which I yeah. love. Yeah, very much so. So that, that scene of someone trying to, I also rode horses as a, as a girl, I never had a fear of them, but I, kind of somehow pictured that before I started writing the book and then asked the questions of, well, what is this Londoner doing here in a Sussex stables? And why is she learning to ride a horse? And actually, you know, how did this scene come about? And I think that's kind of how it started. And I do, you know, I'm someone who's always grown up rurally. Um, I've always lived, uh, I grew up in Dorset. Um, I'd never even visited London um, until I was probably about 18 years old. It was kind of wow. this mysterious place. We didn't have a train station. We didn't have buses. Like, so getting there was a, just a bit of a ball ache anyway. Um, and even now when I kind of go, I feel myself feeling this like anxiety about being in the city. And I do quite often think about what it must've been like for people to travel from a rural place back then you know, you didn't have the internet, you couldn't just access and see what it was like and to yeah. arrive there. And the reverse is also true. You know, the idea of someone who's lived in a city in that environment suddenly being, you know, rural, I think is it's a really funny switch, isn't it? Like, I, I love that idea of a fish out of water. Yeah. And to combine that with whatever the person's going through at the time, whether it be solving the mystery of your dead sister or trying to get out of an arranged marriage or yes. you know all these additional sort of fears and mysteries I mean I when I moved from uh, London to Sussex the first time I I kind of I sort of semi-boarded at school but because the boarding was so expensive I ended up actually just staying with a friend and um, somehow her parents were okay with that it was quite <laughs> amazing but they had seven cats and there were always mice in the house and I would wake up sometimes in the middle of the night with like a mouse in my pillow oh, with Lord. And it was all really wild and weird. And I thought this stuff like this wouldn't happen in London sort of thing, you know, and no. you'd have to, you know, the amount of work that it took to live in the countryside really fascinated me. So then when I ended up moving down here a few years ago, because my kids were getting a bit bigger and the schools are so massive in London yeah. that we wanted to go somewhere just a little bit set back from the city, but still commutable. And um that again that sort of fish out water feeling is is very familiar to me so I think I think that's kind of reflected in the book oh definitely and I think as well like upbringings like you're saying it, you know, my upbringing was very much like back doors open go out in fields roam woods and forests alone like yeah. it's very much that wasn't even I mean probably a bit different now but certainly when I was a kid you know you would be out in fields you would be out on farms you would be trekking around woods and that's you know it's a very different I don't think you realize until you either meet someone who's lived both kind of worlds or you have two people who have lived the extremes how different those worlds actually are and in your book you capture that they are two different universes yeah oh well good I'm glad I captured yeah. that <laughs> 
day. He really did. And also, I think, you know, I was not aware that obviously, you know, in the terms of, you know, a sister marrying her late sister's husband, you know, was that something when you were doing research, did you kind of come across that? Is that kind of a commonality? Well, actually, it's it's illegal in in that time period. There were laws against it because they I don't actually know why it was made illegal at that point. But there were ways to sort of get around it. If you had the right money, if you had the right connections, you it's could. It's really interesting that A, there needed to be a law and B, that people have figured out ways around the law. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And it was one thing that my editor actually brought up. Uh, thankfully, I'd gone through the story enough times that it was it was pretty solid. And then my editor just made a few suggestions. But she said she pointed that out on the on the law point and I addressed it then. But what tended to happen and it made a lot of sense for people who, for example, would get married they'd have a whole host of children the sister might live nearby or in a house and then the the mother dies and then all these children are left motherless which was which was kind of a big deal at that time and the next closest relation would come in and look after them so it made sense to to allow that to happen but the fact that they then instituted a law where it couldn't happen made me wonder why (laughs) yes yeah you wonder how often this was happening they were like surprisingly a lot the bun now there seems to be a lot of like half siblings slash cousins going on let's get this it's slightly bizarre and in fact I finished reading a book quite recently which I was going to mention later um called Miss Austin by Jill Hornby which is kind have you read it I haven't read it I've seen it everywhere and I have read quite a few reviews about it yeah it's beautiful it is beautifully written. It's it was. I won't say it was an easy read. I would say that it's harder than mine because I tried not to make the mo- language too modern, but at the same time still make it understandable for for people that maybe don't read a lot of literary fiction. And uh, so it was a bit of a tough read, but I I did find it interesting that that had happened at some point. One of the wives had died, and then a cousin had gotten married to look after the children and and stuff. So it all kind of kept it in the family. Lots of cousins getting married. <laughs> Yeah, I think I saw, but I think in especially in the case of your book, it really adds to this this gothic effect, especially when you know you find out that there are wives previously as well, plural. Um, but then obviously you've brought in the paranormal. Was that kind of a decision from the get go that you knew you were going to include this kind of paranormal element? Uh, sort of, yes. I mean, I've always. It's funny, I've always had this sort of slight obsession with people being able to see ghosts. I believe when I was a kid, not to sound completely weird, but I believe definitely when I was younger, I was able to see them or at least have some impression of them because my grandmother, who I dedicated the book to, would would tell me stories sometimes about me running into the room and saying, oh my gosh, there's a man on the stairs. Can you tell him to go away? And so, and I have vague memories of those things. But I was it's about so interesting you say that because actually my grandparents had really similar stories as me. And I'm convinced that as children, before you're told that you can't see things, before you're told that they're, they're not real or before that's kind of influencing your brain, I think, because you know, you always get babies as well and you prop your baby up on the sofa and they'll just laugh. Yeah random stuff no reason <laughs> yeah or you're yeah, like your cat will just be like staring at something with their tail going and stuff and yeah. I always think I wonder if there's a part of us that almost has that weaned out of us as we get I old. think so and I've seen I've seen it handled in various different ways in different books and movies yeah. and stuff and I've I've had a huge fascination with it my grandmother also was was massive on the paranormal sort of yeah. side of things so although when I initially thought of the book 
Lizzie didn't have any particular ability as I was writing it I realized that that made a lot more sense than just her sort of wandering around this rambling house trying to figure things out without help and and bringing the ghosts in wasn't it just felt like it needed to be part of the story if you see what I mean yeah yeah because I think then it's you're crossing into almost like more of a kind of crime mystery do you know what I mean it's almost like you know I really yeah. liked that element you're finding out about these women as well because I think the other danger is is then those women lose their voice right you've got these wives and if you know they can't tell their stories you kind of lost lost their voices yeah exactly so that for me was quite important even though you know not to spoil it for anyone but you don't necessarily see every single wife yeah. as clearly as you see more clearly than others um or should I say you see some more clearly than others yeah. but I think it's hopefully it kind of propels the story forward and keeps people interested as opposed to it being a deterrent my agent did say she doesn't like paranormal or historical fiction and she really enjoyed the books wow <laughs> I thought if someone who doesn't read paranormal and doesn't like yeah. historical fiction enjoys the book then it I must be doing something that's right be right there I mean that's that's quite something to hear from your editor as well. <laughs> exactly you know um, I think that's praise from Caesar right there isn't it right, exactly <laughs> that. and I kind of think you know I didn't want to write a book that would just slot itself only into women's fiction or only into mystery or or only historical fiction and in some ways that confuses booksellers a little bit I, it was in yep. Waterstones under crime <laughs> which I was like actually it doesn't belong there so could we put it in historical fiction yeah. or paranormal <laughs> paranormal yeah yeah uh, I see they, they were like oh let's just pick somewhere there <laughs> yeah exactly I think they read the back and thought oh it must go in crime because they because it does the back doesn't really give away a huge people are amount. dead so ergo yeah crime. <laughs> um but they were very very kind about reassigning it to a new category which was good uh and I think I've kind of found just the right mixture of genres that enough different types of readers will enjoy it there there are elements that older readers will enjoy that younger readers will enjoy and people who maybe prefer one particular type of book to another I think it ticks a few different boxes yeah I absolutely agree and the question I also have to ask is how do you follow this up what what comes next for you so I um <laughs> like how much can I say so, yes uh, another book is finished and it's based off a character that appears at the beginning of the house of lost wives it's not a sequel in any sense you could read the two completely separately and don't have to know anything about the house of lost wives to to be able to read this one um my editor is currently reading it so we'll see how that goes but as with a lot of debut authors now they tend to do kind of like a one book at a time sort of thing see how things go and then yeah. work on the next one um the paperback is not out in the states or canada or parts of europe until february Ooh. so this one still has quite a lot of it's got quite a lot of time to go before yeah we we determine how well or whatever it's done but based on my book signing and a few other things that statistics that have come my way it's done it's done reasonably well I think so fingers crossed fingers crossed okay I love that premise as well that's very very interesting and now I'm trying to I'm trying to gauge now what 
could happen for your novel evening some people come on and I kind of roughly have an idea of what to expect and other people come on and I'm like or have no idea and sometimes I'm just completely wrong and I completely <laughs> misjudge entirely what I think is gonna be coming because some people go rogue um yeah so I feel like maybe we're gonna have a little element of some classic characters in here there are going to be one or two. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take much. that victory and try not to guess <laughs> anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There are one or two classic characters. Um, I will say, although I write historical fiction primarily, I'm a huge fantasy reader and uh, avid fantasy lover. So most of what I read is actually fantasy and historical fiction. Um, so there's a lot. There's a lot of that. That in there. is perfect. I. I firstly I love fantasy I write fantasy I read it I sleep and breathe it I love fantasy so already you're you're onto a winner with Susha I was like oh great but we have to start with so where are we going to go for your evening um so we're going to visit the library of forgotten books which is from the shadow of the wind which was originally a, the Spanish book, which was translated to English which honestly has to be one of my favorite books of all time but just the concept of this secret location filled with forgotten books has always absolutely fascinated me. So that's where we're going to, we're going to sort of. I hope it's real. God, I hope somewhere it exists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just go and trek around oh, Barcelona. <laughs> I mean, perfect. This, this feels like it would be quite an intimate gathering if you're in a space like this. Yeah, it's not a huge party, but going to set up a couple of nice tables, some chairs and uh and serve something very very sophisticated maybe some wine and some cheese we'll see what, what else right, yeah happen. why don't you browse the books yeah okay I like this I like this very much oh my goodness what a book that is as well that's a great start okay so who's the first person who's going to arrive um so I've I've picked characters but I also picked authors so there are some Ooh. authors no longer with us that I would love to have come along. My first would be Jane Austen. Okay. Um, because I think that she would have a huge appreciation for the books, but also would provide some very witty anecdotes yes. in there. Um, partly, I think mostly because when I read Miss Austen, as I mentioned before by Jill Hornby, the humor of Jane really came through in that book, mm -hmm. which I thought was quite interesting. I will say it wasn't was my favorite read of the year, but just to kind of get a glimpse of what she might have been like in real life and her letters and the way that she wrote and the way that she spoke to her siblings and things like that. I just thought that's a, that's a woman I'd like to sit down and have a chat with. So <laughs> I love uh, that. She's been a popular choice for many reasons I mean I'm gonna hold my hands up I'm not a massive classics reader I know that she's absolutely beloved um there's obviously a very very good reason for that and I think it's interesting that like you say you're taking it from a, another book as well that's kind of you know it, it you know embodied her and you're sort of like oh do you know what I like that that Jane yeah. sounds like she would be someone I want to meet yeah exactly that and you know I almost didn't put her on my guest list because I thought well, I don't really know what she was like in real life, but that book has given me enough of a feel for her character and, and the letters that she wrote and yeah. her kind of sense of humour outside of her books. Again, I'm also not a massive classics reader, but I have read a lot of Austen. <laughs> so uh, so she has to be on there. Okay, okay. I'll accept that. I'll allow that. That's <laughs> yes, good reasoning. Okay, who's next? 
So next, I have another author, actually, um, who I wish I had met in real life when he was alive, but that's Terry Pratchett. Um, he is one of my all-time favorite authors. I went to an evening with him back when uh, Raising Steam came out. And even then, when he was kind of in, unfortunately, the later development of, of his illness, he was still so incredibly witty and so on point. And it was just such a magical evening, even though I was probably like, you know, a <laughs> hundred meters away from him. <laughs> so I thought he would be able to give me some writing insight as well as just bringing some humor and kind of rounding out the crowd, I think. I mean, legendary, right? I mean, there's no... Yeah no more explanation you can give um I remember watching I think there was a tv show about him when I was very young and he was just such a larger than life character as well just there's nobody like Terry Pratchett I don't think there'll ever be an author like Terry Pratchett and the level of books that he created and worlds and absolutely and I'd love to see him together like what would that be like yeah it would be very interesting just from those two different time periods um I would invite along Neil Gaiman, who thankfully is still living. Um, he's actually my best friend's uncle. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, I think I just choked a little bit as you said that. I'm like, I'm sorry. So, um, so that, that in. yeah, so that wouldn't be completely out of the question for him to come along. But I think that he might balance those two authors quite nicely. Um, he's the last of the. That, I was gonna say something. I'd be really gushing, be like, "Oh my god!" And I just, I'm like, "Oh yeah, no, you can do a game, and that's really cool." <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. We can have him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fine. I mean, also, I think if you're gonna talk about creators who make these incredible, complex worlds like Pratchett, he's up there. Like the level of what he makes, and you know, I have followed him on socials for a long, long, long time. And even his social media posts are so insightful and clever and witty. And I'm like, how did your brain do that? Yeah, precisely that. I Honestly, his imagination just completely blows me away. I have no idea how he gets to the concepts he gets to, but um, wow. it's, it's pretty fascinating. And I thought he would actually probably be quite a nice balance between Terry Pratchett and Jane Austen not because he's of that era but because he would be able to create an interesting dialogue between these people um that I would just want to sit and listen I think I'd just sit there the whole time with my jaw on the floor (laughs) no I absolutely agree I absolutely agree um so yeah excellent choices so far I can actually really picture this in this space as well (laughs) yeah it's happening right you can see you've got the tables the lights low there's all the books all the shelves of books we're sort of nestled in between the stacks and we've got Terry Pratchett with his hat and his cane and we've got we've got Neil creating this kind of conversation between him and then we've got Jane with her you know in full regency garb of course (laughs) with a bonnet yes yes. okay is that all the authors you've got coming that's all the authors so yeah so that's my sort of selection then I'd move on to some some fictional characters so um some people love her some people hate her but uh Aelin from uh, Throne of Glass oh okay this I is... love Sarah J Mass, and I haven't read Throne of Glass yet. I've been no told... way. <laughs> I know. I have been told off so aggressively by my best friend yeah. who swears by them. She says it's better than Akatar, better than Crescent City. 
Um, so I do, 2023 will be the year I rectify it, but I have heard of Aileen. Yes. And I'm intrigued. Yeah, so she, um, mainly because she actually is also a book lover. And I think that she would, she is she is such a book lover. You're going to love this series. I'm actually really jealous that you haven't read it yet because you can read it for the first time. <laughs> I love um, hearing that. that is yeah. so, I'm like, oh my God, now I have to read it. Yeah, particularly if you're, so the funny thing about Akatar or A Court of Thorns and Roses for those who don't know these <laughs> you, are, you aren't using the slang that we're Just using. In case. Um, <laughs> so a funny thing about that series and I and I read them all actually I started with that one um, and I was kind of like mm, I'm not sure I don't really know about this do I like it do I not like it and then I got to sort of book two three and I was like yeah no this is good and I really like this author and this is you know she's become an auto buy for me but then my husband got me the box set a couple of Christmases ago um a throne of glass and it had the assassin's blade book you know the the one that they made a little bit later and I decided to just read that first and that's not even really a good selling point for the series (laughs) some people say you should read it after the third book rather than the first book but I just dove straight in there and read it first um and I've recommended it to so many people both women and men who are just fantasy lovers because it kind of incorrectly gets pegged as this young adult fantasy series because Sarah J Mass is obviously a female author and sometimes that ends up happening and it gets yeah. thrown in the wrong wrong section of the bookstore or the library but I've got um plenty of male friends who are fantasy lovers who absolutely adore the series so I think, I think it's it... wild that you know uh, you know Akatar is is quite often found in YA as well I think yeah he's yeah I think there's some weird marketing happening with her work yeah, um, yeah. but she wrote Throne of Glass first right this was kind of like a first yeah she wrote she so she wrote that first and then at some point in that series she then wrote A Court of Thorns and Roses and then the book sort of seemed to piggyback I'm really glad that I read both of those series when all the books were out because that would have been really tough particularly towards the end of that series um so (laughs) I was difficult now that we're still waiting on another book and I like I love her when she's like oh I've started Crescent City and I was like oh just finish the other series but then I'm in love with this one I'm like finish all of the series like yeah. what are you doing yeah. just finish them all now and just write at like six thousand words per minute <laughs> have you seen it's been announced that like the, the Crescent City 3 is the largest book she's ever written uh, I have to say Crescent City 2 took me much longer than I thought it would because it is a it is a chunky book oh uh, yeah I have it in hardback and I was yeah. like I heard it come through the door like I was like oh <laughs> like the building <laughs> shook when it landed right <laughs> number three a truck is gonna back up my road it's gonna be dragged into my house yeah. I mean she's phenomenal the world she makes you know I know she's not for everyone and some people say you know she's a guilty you know a guilty pleasure um I love a bit of smart fantasy. I'm here for it. I love it. I write it. Um, so I absolutely, and I obviously now need to read these books, don't I? Yes. Yes, you do. That's that's next on your new, that's on your new year's resolution. That's right. At the yeah, top. that's number one. <laughs> that's My only resolution. Exactly. Exercise um, more, have a better diet, read through. <laughs> that's all you need. Yeah, that's all we all need, I think. Um, so so Aelin's first, I actually had quite a few sort of fantasy characters and I really struggled to pick just a couple because I thought, oh, I'd love to have this person. I thought, no, no, that that wouldn't be wrong vibes for this. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, so Aelin's quite a 
a fiery character. And I think that she, um, apart from being a, a book lover and having a very wicked sense of humor, she's quite sort of short tempered. I think that's enough. <laughs> that's enough fiery temperament for one evening. Yes. And hopefully the other people around, you know, I've been known to have a, a bit of a fiery temper myself, but I think it's all about who you're surrounded with, right? Exactly. Um, and that's why I thought my next guest should be Granny Weatherwax from the Discworld, because she would keep everyone in line. But also she reminds me so much of my grandmother. Uh, it's actually slightly scary. Apart from that, my grandmother wasn't a witch. Um, or at least not what like I know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, but she has that similar quite sort of she was very Welsh. She was very no, no nonsense whatsoever but would always be you know back you up yeah. and always be there for you and I think that Granny Weatherwax kind of epitomizes that she was she's incredibly strong character for someone that was actually only one character always in a trio during yeah. all of the books that she appeared in so I kind of figured she'd keep everyone in line make sure no one's burning books or doing anything not yeah, supposed to be. that's clever that's clever and also can you imagine like Terry Pratchett getting to like yeah out with her oh exactly I thought wouldn't that be cool because did you ever read did you read the last book that he wrote the um the shepherd's crown a long time ago yeah so that book it was tough for me to read at the time because I read it um just after he passed away when it basically when it first came out I read it immediately and it was kind of an interesting almost like a love letter to his readers and a kind of goodbye and it really really moved me at the time and I thought wouldn't it be incredible he really put all of himself into that character which might sound strange for a, an old lady who's a witch who can't spell <laughs> um, but something about it just made me think that would be the coolest oh, meetup ever incredible absolutely incredible I think that's a very good choice I think it's a wise wise decision okay have you got anybody else coming um yeah so I've got a couple of others I've got um another sort of possibly not as short-tempered but slightly volatile character Ooh. and that would be Lila Bard from the Darker Shade of Magic series Ooh, okay it's mainly because I've always wanted to meet her <laughs> she's awesome isn't she she is awesome and one like just again as an author B Schraub is just I mean fantastic incredible. I mean even even the, so, so I I finished reading Gallant I read that yes. in October because I thought oh it's kind of spooky and it's not it's such an understated little book because yeah. you don't realize how much story is in there. And also just the way that she writes is so incredibly beautiful. And she's just, so, I know it sounds really weird because she's a person, but she's so human in her writing. Yeah. And, um, and something about that just, I find really fascinating. So Lila Bard and Aelin would probably end up doing sort of arm wrestling at one end of the table. I'd have to split them up, but I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think there'd be some fireworks there, you know, I think. <laughs> Okay. But they, okay. they might get on really well. Yeah, they could. I think it's gonna go one of two ways. There's no middle ground here. They're not gonna be indifferent to each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah exactly. She's an lovely. awesome character. It's a such a cool book. I mean, yeah. Hands down. Great. No one's chosen either any of the characters in those books. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> why are you why are you picking all these random you know? So my my last choice would actually be Merry and Pippin from Lord of the Rings because I love 
I read Lord of the Rings I think I, I guess you approve based on <laughs> oh, I absolutely do honestly and again I think we've like skirted around various hobbits and yeah. various Lord of the Rings characters but they're so fun yeah they they're really they're a lot of fun they'd be highly entertaining I'm pretty sure that they could provide any entertainment we asked of them um and they would eat everything so there'd be no leftovers so I kind of figured that would be logical I've read Lord of the Rings seven times and it was my obsession as a as a kid uh and it kept me a company on a lot of long train journeys when I was going to and from London to school and and stuff so they're they're very very dear to my heart and anything anything talking I can't say I'm like a pure Tolkienite because I haven't read some of the the earlier myths well they were later myths but you know of, yeah of no I haven't history. either <laughs> Yeah, I can't I can't quite face the Silmarillion. So I always look at it, I own it. I always look at it and I'm like, no. Yeah. I see. <laughs> time. I mean, I what do you think? Because for me, my introduction was very much the films. I will always have a really special place. The films I kind of watched when I was about twelve, I guess, and then was like, Oh, I'm gonna read read this book. Yeah. So the films hold a really actually Pippin was my first crush, if I'm honest with you. Like, Billy Boyd. What a beautiful <laughs> <one>. <laughs> 10 out of 10. But yeah. I, the films to me as well was such a labour of love. Like, I feel like, again, Peter Jackson loved the book. You can yeah. feel that. Yeah. Me with The Hobbit. But... <laughs> yeah. I didn't really understand that, to be honest. The Hobbit, I think partly because I read it when I was so much younger. And the films for me... I won't say I didn't like them, but I just thought, why? <laughs> they felt to me like a. Uh, they were made for money. Yeah. They were made to fill a box. Whereas I feel like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, in all their beautiful, extended <laughs> amazingness, yeah. but they were just made so faithfully and so with so much love. I think the saddest bit for me, I remember watching The Hobbit, and I think it's the last one, and there's a fight scene. And it's all CGI, and like the ground has no texture. They're kind of mm -hmm. running across this like barren earth, and it's you can see it's all CGI. And like in Lord of the Rings, these battles are real. Like yeah. you know, the people were there. <laughs> yeah, like I know. Obviously, like, there was a lot of CGI, and there's like they're like Helm's Deep. You're in Helm's Deep. You feel. Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching that in the cinema. I mean, at that point, we we still had intermissions for some of the longer films. And I remember <laughs> the intermission of thinking, I don't want to go anywhere. I'm in this film. If I leave this room now to go and use the loo or go and buy some more popcorn or something, I feel like I'm going to lose the magic of having been so immersed in this world it was it was so well done and um you know as someone who's read the books as many times as I have I really appreciated the attention to detail oh my god completely and I think Mary and Pippin as well with Terry Pratchett yeah <laughs> I feel like there'd be some mischief going on there I'm not gonna lie to you so I definitely didn't pick a sedate crowd I was <laughs> I wasn't going for sort of calm. I just just people that I want to have a conversation with, really, or to spend time with. Um, so that's that's those are my guests. Uh, those are the people that I think. I mean, I don't know that Mary and Pippa would necessarily enjoy books, but I know that Aileen is a big book reader, and uh, I know that she would enjoy also speaking to authors as well. So I think it's a nice mixture. I really enjoy, and I think I say this every time. Um, but I would very much like to be at this gathering. Um, yeah. I think it's it's a really beautiful mixture of of guests as well. I'd say fantasy is very much my first love. Um, 
and I think you've very much captured true fantasy in this novel oh. evening. So <laughs> gold star, you have nailed the brief. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but before I let you go um, and go and finish your giant, you know, vat of tea, yeah. are you reading anything at the moment? I'm reading uh, three books at the moment. It tends what? to be the way I know. I tend to have a, a like a nightstand book, a, a Kindle book that goes in my bag with me everywhere, and then an ebook for when I'm driving. So, um, on ebook, I literally just finished uh, Big Little Lies, which is a brilliant story. I did not. I mean, I was almost thinking in an Australian accent for about three days because it's obviously it's set in Oz and the narrator is Australian and it was so well done um so I've just finished that and uh, I haven't seen the series but I I know that I have to watch it now and I really hope that it it stands up to the book because it I really didn't expect that book perhaps I was a little sneery like I hold my hand up and I was like and I didn't expect it to hit quite as hard as it did yeah yeah, I I definitely had moments there where I'd actually, but I'd finished that and had actually listened to it mid listening to The Book Thief, which I'm doing for a book club. And so I went from the end of Big Little Lies to like the last maybe 10% of The Book Thief. Wow. <laughs> it's just emotionally wrecked for the whole week. <laughs> wow. Yeah, those are not, especially the endings. That's yeah. <laughs> oh my. Pretty, pretty harsh. So in the meantime, on my Kindle, I am reading a book that is called, um, it's, it's written by an indie author called, I think her name is Emily Schneider. I'm probably going to get that wrong. Um, and it's called From... <laughs> should have had it with me <laughs> from scales from scales scales of ash and shadow something like that it's a it's like a dragon shifter book have you read it I haven't but I think that my best friend has literally like read this read yeah. this book dragon shifter rings an absolute bell everyone was like hot dragons hot dragon shifter yeah. <laughs> so I'm not usually I don't usually read shifter books I mean I did I read like a whole bunch of RJ Blaine a few years back and yeah. I just sort of devoured them on my kindle and I haven't read any since. And so I'm kind of getting used to this concept that yeah. people can shift into dragons again. So I just started that one. And then in hardback, I'm reading Only a Monster, uh, which I got on a, a Fairy Loot special edition. I was absolutely addicted to Fairy Loot boxes. So I have a lot of reading to catch up on. Yep. And I've already seen some very book shaped presents under the Christmas tree from. <laughs> <laughs> oh home. no so you're already like in anticipation of having to like, get some books out of the way yeah I'm pretty terrified about my uh 2023 TBR to be honest it looks looks like it's gonna be really scary so I'm trying to devour as many as I can before the end of the year but that's that's what I'm doing at the moment oh I just I'm I'm close to tipping the 500 mark <laughs> with my TBR pile um, I don't think I could manage I just I just pretend it doesn't exist at this point I just it's it's a beautiful feature within my home now yeah exactly you know what a very interesting thing that Rosie Talbot who wrote 16 Souls um I met her in a Waterstones completely randomly and out of the blue before she'd finished writing 16 Souls 
Uh, she was working in my local Waterstones, where I tend to spend far too much time. And uh, I was the only customer in the shop, which was unusual. And yeah. she came up to me and she said, are you looking for anything in particular? She's one of the loveliest people you could care to meet. I true. follow, I actually have, I followed her for a long time, actually, again, before she wrote the book, I've always followed her and she's absolutely lush. Yeah, she is. And she said, "Is that?" and I didn't know who she was. So I also um, feel like I'm ancient, but I just can't do TikTok. <laughs> so if I haven't seen it on Instagram, it doesn't exist as far as yes. I'm concerned. Yep. Um, and she said, uh, are you looking for anything in particular? I said, no, to be honest, my my TBR pile is so long that it's embarrassing. And she said, well, let me tell you a little something. Um, the beautiful thing about books is that they are, by their nature, infinitely patient. <laughs> I was like, oh. I love you. Can I be your best friend? <laughs> oh, my word. I think that is the perfect quote to end, end this evening on, if I'm honest with you. Um, yeah. That is, that's perfect. And also very enabling, which I yeah. wholly support. <laughs> well, considering all of our collections, it probably would fill at least a couple of rooms of the house. I think, you know, why why not? We'll, we'll go with that as a guiding principle, a moral for going into 2023. That is the moral. You know what? And I just, I genuinely believe you can never own too many books. No. Exactly. I, I'm with you on that one. But books over, you know, family members at this point. Yeah. <laughs> if, if something has to leave, it's probably the dog. It's going to be the that. staying. <laughs> right. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. And I'm so glad I finally got to talk to you. Yeah, I'm glad we made it happen. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great.